the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. Christos Voscresi. Almasia Cam. Christos A. Resuscitado. Christos A. Anviat. Everat Anviat. Christ is risen. You're getting better, by the way. And so am I. <laughs> the beauty of that, just so you know, the tradition is that it's celebrated all over the world. It's not just here. We make the proclamation that the, the risen Christ is a world celebration. So we celebrate it with all the languages we can. So that's the joy of that kind of moment. It's not kind of just to do it because that's what we do. It's, it's done because it helps us see the universal celebration of the resurrection. So it's a joy to do it because we're doing it with all the world. So today, uh, St. Thomas, uh, we see in the gospel and in the epistle several very important things. And they all relate to this, that God uses physical realities to manifest spiritual gifts. Spiritual graces are given to us in Christ through physical realities. So, let's take a look at a couple of them and then we'll uh, share a couple of ideas. One, this is always an incredible moment in the life of the apostles is that, you know, they're, they're given this gift to do miracles. And so, people are coming around them uh, in droves, even so that they said in the, uh, the uh, Acts of the Apostles today, even if Peter's what went by them, just a shadow, God used Peter's shadow to manifest healing, a shadow. He used a shadow to manifest healing. And it said, at the hands of the apostles, everybody that came that was sick or demon-possessed was healed. What did he use? Hands of the apostles. He used the hands of apostles, a shadow. And then he says to the disciples before this goes, before they go to this, he said, uh, he breathes on them a breath, a, a human breath, breathes on them, and they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Breath, a shadow, hands. And then the most, one of the most incredible statements in all of Scripture, Thomas's, Thomas's statement, my Lord and my God came after he did what? He touched the side of Christ and put his fingers in the place of the nail. God used his, his human body to manifest this proclamation, my Lord and my God. And you see all through the Gospels and Christ's life that he uses water to heal, go into the poor Salom. He uses dirt and even his own spittle to heal a blind man. Even a woman comes up and touches the hem of his garment. He used a garment to manifest the power of healing. 
if that's not enough, he took simple bread and wine and said, this is my body. This is my blood. To manifest his presence to us. So what a powerful thing. God uses these physical realities to manifest spiritual graces. Thanks be to God. An opportunity to step into and experience and touch the grace of God through physical things. You know, he understands that we can't just get at it mentally. He understands that we're physical beings, that there's, there's an element of physicality about us, and if he can use those things to manifest graces, so be it. So be it. So let me share a couple of examples with you. First, uh, holy icons. You know, remember the first time, uh, this is quite an, an interesting story, you know, when we were first kind of journeying toward orthodoxy, we had a wonderful bishop come, uh, Bishop Dimitri, to do our first Vesper service when we were out in Isla Vista. We had green carpet and orange walls. It was an incredible place. That got changed pretty quickly, by the way. So, but, um, so he comes to do Vespers. So he comes up and he sets up a table. And he gave us the music and everything to sing, all, the, all the, the service itself. And he puts out the table and he puts his gospel book on it, puts the candles on it, just like a cross. And then he does something that shocked us. He took an icon of the Lord, about this big, and stuck it on the wall. He took an icon of the Theotokos, the Incarnation, he stuck it on the wall. And everybody gasped. Oh, we're becoming idol worshipers. What's happening with us? So he says this. This is really interesting. He says, all I want you to do is just leave them up. Just try not to react to them, be negative. Just let them be there. And if they bother you after a while, then take them down. Well, what happened was uh, there, a complaint did come. The complaint was they weren't big enough. We couldn't see them. So we had the holy hand of Jan Isham begin to paint, who painted everything here, by the way. Her first icon was an icon of the Lord that went up, that went from this big to about this big. Two of them. Then another complaint came after they got big like that. What was the next complaint? We didn't have enough of them. We didn't have enough. So she painted more. St. Athanasius. St. Uh, John um, the, the Baptist and then the two angels, Michael and Gabriel. Didn't have enough. And uh, look what happened. I still don't think we have enough. There's blanks on those walls up there. Go to some churches and they're everywhere. Why? Because they manifest the presence, the reality of heaven to us. They show us heaven out of sight, out of mind. That's not the case with iconography. That's not the case. We see something and we understand that there's a heavenly reality behind all these things. 
So very, very powerful for us to understand this. You, we can look at the many miracles that happened through iconography. Uh, we had a beautiful icon of St. Zinia amid oil and healed one of our people. Beautiful opportunity there. We have, uh, uh, we have icons that uh, omit myrrh. The icon, the holy icon of the Teotokos from Hawaii just gushes myrrh, healing, healing myrrh. Um, so there's many things that happen there, but I want to encourage you in terms of iconography, the simplicity of presence. The simplicity of presence. God is with us. The saints are with us. The angels are with us. We need to know that. We need to just have that. And you know what helps us have that reality? An icon. It helps us understand that reality. It's an old story of a monk that was illiterate. And uh, uh, another monk visited him, and in his cell was a Bible. And the monk said, you can't read. Why do you have the Bible? And the monk said, it just, it just helps me be a better person. Just its presence helps me be a better person. That's what they're for. They're for to understand that there's a heavenly reality that exists that's with us. So, God help us understand this, and we can commune with the saints. Oh, beautiful. I'll go on and on, but I have other things. I have other things to tell you. Um, so, as we journeyed into orthodoxy, it was very interesting. Um, we began to understand the importance of the sacrament of baptism. Because we began to look at it from a different perspective. You know, initially it was, to, to, for some, it was a bit of a, uh, uh, an, an outward sign of an inward conversion. So it really, because it wasn't an older thing, an old thing. But when we began to see that the church has always taught that baptism was being united to the death and resurrection of Christ, putting on Christ, putting on Christ, uniting yourself to the death and resurrection of Christ through water, then it meant everybody needs this. So I would ask a parent, you know, we were struggling with this. You'd ask a parent, well, would you like your child united to the death and resurrection of Christ? And the answer was, oh, no, I wouldn't want that to happen to my child. <laughs> of course they did. That's what it says in the book of Romans, right? They're united to the death and resurrection of Christ. Baptize the babies. Because we want them united to the death and resurrection of Christ. We want them to put on Christ. Sure, they engage that life all through their, they engage that reality all through their life. Let us commend ourselves and each other and our life unto Christ our God. We're always committing ourselves to that baptismal reality. That's, that's a fact for us. So this, this, this importance for us of understanding that this water manifested this union with God, this sense of being united, this, the reality being united to his death and resurrection through an element of water. Dunk them quickly. I love it. I love it. Um, holy water and holy oil. 
We have all these manifestations of grace that God gives us opportunity. Healing through oil and water. Uh, and the, the understanding of this is, I remember one story. Um, we had this a lady in our parish who had an issue with one of her family members. And so every morning she would pray for 40 days, and she would put a little holy water in orange juice. Boop. Every time. Boop. 40 days for this situation. 40 days. Boop. 40 days. Boop. On the 40th day, the problem got solved. Holy water. Miracle. Acting through water. Oil. Anointing with oil. Healing power of oil. We've seen it happen. Okay, but what I want you to understand here is that we're not, we don't need to obsess on the miracle that we're expecting, but we need to understand what we're expecting is that we're going to see, receive divine grace from the water and from the oil. It's the grace of God given to us, and it's going to be manifest in the way he wants it manifested. It may that be that you come to, to church and you have an illness and you take you come to and you want that illness to be healed. Absolutely, and that's our prayer. God heal it. But God's will may be that He wants you to endure it for a longer period of time to His glory. And so what's that oil going to do? It's going to manifest strength to endure to the end, to endure it to the glory of God. You know, sometimes we struggle. Well, I, Lord, I want to be healed from this, healed from this, healed from this. And then we think it's an issue of our faith is not strong enough. Maybe God doesn't want you to be healed. Maybe he wants you to be strengthened through enduring this Ill illness. You ever think of that? St. Paul said it. Take this thorn in my side away. And the Lord says, no, you need that. You need that. You need to know that I'm your strength. So we need to understand these things. And then um, communion. The body and blood of Christ. Bread and wine. He uses the elements of bread and wine to manifest the very reality of his body and blood. The very presence of God. The, the, more, the most intimate thing we can do. Take Holy Communion. You know, there's a line that I love to read in the pre-communion prayers. It says uh, about the woman uh, who touched the hem of the garment. Uh, you who touched the, hem of the you touched the hem of the garment, she received healing. And the one with tears at his feet received the forgiveness of her sins. But I, most sinful, dare to partake of the whole body. The garment, healing. The tears on the feet, forgiveness. What do we get? The whole body. We get the body of Christ. So we need to be so grateful that the Lord has given us this opportunity to experience deeply these spiritual graces through these physical things.
so may we, beloved, never, ever take any of this for granted. Because it can happen very easily. We take a little holy water, sprinkle a little holy water, we have fun with that, that's great. And we take our communion, you know, we come to, for, we come to confession, to forgiveness, all these things. We come, we, we get them into a pattern, and we lose the very opportunity that God is giving us to receive the fullness of grace. Don't ever allow yourself to take these things for granted. So, may God help us and bless us in regard to all the graces he wants to give to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.